Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. I want to honour our church and Pastor John and Anne. Um, Aaron and I didn't grow up in this church. I grew up in an awesome church in Victoria, and we've been in ministry since we were 18. And so we've had the opportunity to be part of church plants, part of a church up in Newcastle, part of a church in the Hawkesbury area. And so we know what it is to be part of tough seasons in church, great seasons in church, healthy churches, not so healthy churches. And I'm telling you now, what we have here is special. What we have here is healthy. What we have here is not to be taken for granted. And our pastors, I just want to honour them this morning. They are men and women of God. They are pure-hearted. They are not afraid to pay the price to take us as a church to where God wants us to be. And I've seen them over the last six months or so pay the price to get the next stage of the vision the new stage of the vision for new things and greater things. And I just wanted to honour them this morning. Why don't we give them a round of applause this morning? I'm really excited about the theme for this year, new things. I'm excited for what God is going to do in our church and through our church. Our greatest days are ahead of us. What has gone before us is just laying a foundation for what God wants to do in our community, for what God wants to do in your life, in the lives of people that you're connected to. God has so much greater for us and new things for us that if he was to share it all with us, we'd probably faint. (laughs) Thank God he just reveals the vision to us bit by bit by bit. But this morning my message is entitled, New Things from Dead Things. How's that for a encouraging way to start the morning. New things from dead things. And I thought I'd start, because it's new things from dead things, I thought I'd start this morning by telling you about a near-death experience that I had. Obviously, I'm here, so it turns out well. Would you like to hear it this morning? So for those that are friends with me or perhaps do ministry with me, you probably have worked out that Aaron and I We're a team. We're very different. And so in our team, Aaron is the more structured of the two of us, perhaps the more patient of the two of us, a little bit more measured of the two of us. I, on the other hand, have strong opinions, very sure that I'm making the right decision. I just might make it a bit too quick and a bit too spontaneously. But nevertheless, I'm quite sure in the moment that it's the right way to go. So when Aaron and I were living in Newcastle, we took a trip down to Bansdale in Victoria, which is about 12 hours south of Newcastle. We had planned to stay overnight at my parents' house in Sydney. We had Jesse about maybe, actually, I think he was only about four months old because he would have been born in February and this was in the middle of winter. So we had a newborn baby in the back seat, and we hadn't left Newcastle till 10 p.m. We'd had night service at church, socialised with some friends, and then we drove to Sydney. So we were driving into Sydney at about midnight, middle of winter, baby fast asleep in the back seat, and I had a bright idea. 
I said to Aaron, let's just keep going. I mean, I don't want to waste a day of our holidays because if we sleep at mum and dad's tonight, then we have to drive all day tomorrow. Jesse's asleep. I've had some Pepsi. Let's just drive all the way to Victoria. We'll do an all-nighter. We'll swap driving. It'll be an adventure. It'll be fun. I must have seemed quite convincing. So Aaron's like, let's do it. Now, there's one thing I need to tell you. It was the middle of winter and we may not have had heating in our car. But at the time, I wasn't aware that that was a problem. So off we drive, we're going, and it just gets colder and colder and colder. And we were starting to head into kind of the Canberra region. And it was so freezing cold that I was getting scared about how cold it was in our car. And something happens to your car in sub-zero temperatures when you have no heating. It starts to fog up. And so then you need to demist the car, but the only way you can do that without a heater is by blasting the air conditioner as high as it can go. So then we've got the air conditioner cranked up. We're desperately trying to defog and demist the car. We are freezing. I'm talking like painfully freezing. We had to pull over on the side of the road, get all our suitcases out of the boot and work out how many clothes we could pile on top of Jesse and still have his little head breathing out of his car capsule. And by now I'm just like, this was not a good idea. I'm going to freeze my baby. (laughs) I'm like checking his fingers for signs of frostbite and he was fast asleep, but it was terrifying. But I thought, it's okay. It's okay, Aaron. We're nearly at Canberra. I'm sure there's a 24-hour Kmart. And in that Kmart, we'll find a heater used for camping and we'll buy batteries and somehow we'll have it going in the car and we will be okay. Well, if anyone's actually been to Canberra... You would know there's no 24-hour anything. (laughs) And so there was nothing. And so we cried at Canberra. (laughs) And we had to keep going. And by now, I'm like, what have I gotten ourselves into? Like, it's not like you can even check in at a motel at 2 in the morning. What are we actually going to do? We just thought we'd just keep driving. Like, we're just going to keep going. So it got colder and colder and eventually about half an hour out of Kuma, which is at the foothills of the mountains, it got so cold that the outside of our windscreen completely froze over. We couldn't see a thing. So we did what any wise person would do under those circumstances. We wound down the side windows and we stuck our heads out the side and we both tried to like help navigate Aaron as he's driving, cannot see a thing out the front, freezing cold sub-zero temperatures, every item of clothing we own packed on top of Jesse fast asleep in the back seat. Well... Let me tell you, it doesn't work. We didn't get very far. We were going to die very soon if we kept driving. So we had no choice but to pull over, shiver and freeze and pray that we would survive till dawn came. I remember vaguely in the back of my head learning somewhere in high school in some science class that it's always darkest before the dawn. It's always coldest before the dawn. And I remember comforting Aaron. I'm like, I think we're at the worst of it. This is probably about at 4.35 a.m. It's always darkest before the dawn. So dawn is on its way. 
I tell you what, I have never been so happy to see the first rays of sunlight. As our windshield melted away and we could drive again, I've never been more relieved to see Kuma McDonald's at 6am. I tell you, we ran into that McDonald's and you know when you've been so cold that it's so painful when the feeling comes back into your body. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that it's always darkest before the dawn. It's always coldest, trust me, right before the ray of sun breaks through the clouds. And I don't know how your 2018 has been. I don't know how your life has been up to this point. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a circumstance like I did that night where you honestly think it's all over. I know I've been in moments like that in ministry, in my marriage, in my own calling, in thoughts about what God can do in me or through me. I've had moments where I've thought, I'm not going to make it. This isn't going to work. My only option is to quit bail, give up on the dreams God's put in my heart. Here we are at a dead end. I've had moments where if you had have asked me at the time, is is it actually all over? Is that dream over? Is that relationship over? Is that promise of God over? I would have looked at you at the time and said it's dead and buried. There's no coming back from this. But when I look back on my life and I look back on some of the most significant God breakthroughs. Some of the moments where God did a new thing within me, something I'd been believing for and praying for and desperately asking him for. When I look back at the real turning points, the game changes, the times when something broke through the darkness and God was able to do a new thing. Nearly every one of them came just after a moment where I thought it was all over. If you had have asked me the day prior, it was done and dusted. And then the next day, salvation comes. God does a new thing. The theme over our church this year is new things. God wants to do a new thing in you this year. It's not a question of can he. It's not a question of does he want to. It's purely a question of will you allow him to. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you think your chances are at God doing a new thing in you this year? You might be like, it's a bit chances. We're not basing our life on chances. So no such thing as good luck and bad luck. I know that. (laughs) Do we know that? I think subconsciously we often rate our chances of whether God can do a mighty new thing in us and through us based on our past track record, based on how you've been behaving lately, based on how you feel coming into 2019, 
I think subconsciously we've got this whole set of ways that we actually rate our chances. And it's not biblical. It's not kingdom. It's not what Jesus came to die on the cross for. We're living the old under the curse, under the law. We're living under works and we're rating our chances. And when Pastor John declares over our church that the word of God for this year is new things, we respond to it depending on how we rate our chances of God doing a new thing in us or not. And so for some of us, we grab that promise and we run with it. And for others, if we're honest, we're like, that's not going to happen through me this year. You don't know actually what's going on and what I've been doing. And you don't know the death I'm actually battling and surrounded with. And you don't know the failure and the frustrations and the dead end I find myself in. And maybe you're kind of in the middle of that group and you're like, I really wish... I could have a sense of hope for new things. But I'm just rating myself and I don't think my chances are too good. I'm here to tell you this morning that when Jesus came to die on the cross, he came to usher in an upside-down kingdom where he brings new life out of dead things. An upside down kingdom where he brings good out of bad, where he takes what the enemy was meant to kill and rob and destroy. And he says, I will make something new out of your life. I want to read the key scripture for this series and for this year over our church from the King James Version, Isaiah 42, verse 9. It says, Behold, The former things are come to pass. The new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God speaks to us in the cold and in the dark. And he prophesies and said, I am doing a new thing. Salvation has come. And yet we're like, I don't know if I believe that. (laughs) Have you seen how cold and dark it is right now? But he declares over our lives and our church, new things are coming. A dawn is coming. I want to read a few previous verses to this in Isaiah from the message translation. So I want to read from Isaiah 42 verses 5 to 9 in the message. God's message, the God who created the cosmos, stretched out the skies, laid out the earth and all that grows from it who breathes life into earth's people, makes them alive with his own life. I am God. I have called you to live right and well. I have taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I have set you among my people to bind them to me and provided you as a lighthouse to the nations to make a start at bringing people out into the open, into light, opening blind eyes, releasing prisoners from dungeons, emptying the dark prisons. I am God. That's my name. I don't franchise my glory. Don't endorse the no God idols. Take note. The earlier predictions of judgment have been fulfilled. I'm announcing the new salvation work. Before it bursts onto the scene, I'm telling you all about it. In the NIV, it says, see, the former things have taken place. New things, I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. 
when I was thinking about the theme for our year and what God's saying to us as a church and as individuals, I wanted to find out what does new things mean? So I looked at the meaning of the word in Isaiah because sometimes we can just repeat words that are common to us and if we don't understand kind of the imagery and the pictures behind the words, we can miss some of the depth to what God wants to do in our lives. So when I looked at the biblical meaning of this word, new things, it speaks of something fresh. Fresh. It speaks of something fresh of this year. Doesn't it feel just right, so right and so healthy and so good when you can feel a fresh work of God bubbling within you? When you know you're walking in the flow of his Holy Spirit and it might not always be comfortable or easy, but you know there is fresh life. God is doing a fresh work within you. It means and can mean something unheard of. Oh, I want God to do something unheard of through our church in my life. I want to live to see things unheard of burst onto the earth. It also, in the meaning of the word, are the words rebuild, repair and make anew. Will you allow God to rebuild broken things in your life this year? to repair and make anew. And I loved this kind of last imagery that's attached to this word. It also can mean polishing and sharpening a sword. I liked that one. I thought God wants to do something new in us so that we are sharp and effective weapons for the kingdom of God. Now, I want to give you a little bit of context to these scriptures that we're looking at in Isaiah so that you can understand what the Israelites were going through and facing when God came and spoke this prophetic word of a new salvation. You see, Isaiah chapter 1 to 39 is mainly focused on a time in Jerusalem's history where the Israelites were under kind of a lot of attack from the Assyrians. So the Assyrian nation rose up as a strong and mighty power in the region and was trying to attack them. And the story in Kings and in Chronicles just follows king after king wrestling with this theme of will I trust in God? Some kings do, and then the next generation doesn't. Then the next generation does, then the next generation doesn't. And in uh, chapter 1 to 39 of Isaiah, we see Ahaz, a king that will not trust God, he actually loses control of Jerusalem and the Assyrians take many people captive. Then King Hezekiah rises up in Jerusalem and declares that he will trust God. He rebels against the Assyrians. He gets back control of Jerusalem. Then after him comes King Josiah, who, as, as you know, he was the youngest king. He discovers the book of the law in the temple ruins and he reconsecrates the people to God. But then after him comes some more dodgy kings and they don't trust God and they don't trust God and they don't trust God. And eventually God gives them chance after chance after chance. And eventually they have to suffer the consequences of their own chosen separation from God. And the Babylonians come in and take them all into exile. 
When we read chapters 40 to 55 in Isaiah, that is being spoken into that moment where they've blown it 100 times. They're suffering the curse and the death of the consequences of their own behaviour. And they've now been in exile in Babylon for many years. They're at rock bottom. They've totally blown it. They've walked away from God. They have not trusted him and they've done life their way. And it's gone terribly. And what does God do? Wash his hands of them. Tell them, forget about it. I'll find a new people and start afresh. You know, it's Old Testament. (laughs) can do that. No, he comes with grace upon grace upon grace. And this is the situation Isaiah is prophesying into. Not someone has had a good 2018. Not someone who measures up well if we're counting works-based records. Not someone who's feeling prime for a new thing to happen because I've been praying lots. <laughs> he comes to the lowest of the lowest of the low. And that is what he speaks these words into. Verse 9 of Isaiah 42, verse 9, I'm announcing the new salvation work before it bursts onto the scene I'm telling you all about it and I want to read the following verses in Isaiah 43 starting in verse 1 but now God's message so this is what Isaiah is prophesying to these broken people but now God's message the God who made you in the first place Jacob the one who got you started Israel don't be afraid I've redeemed you. I've called your name, you're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, I love this, it won't be a dead end. Because I am your God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Saviour. God, your Redeemer, the Holy of Israel says, just for you, listen to this, he says, I'll march on Babylon. I'll turn the tables on the Babylonians. Instead of whooping it up, they'll be wailing. I, your God, the Holy One, creator of Israel, your King. This is what God says. The one who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through pounding waves. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like many candles. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers through the badlands. Do you want to know how they responded? See, this wasn't a prophetic word for a hundred years' time. God was telling them, I want to rescue you now. He was planning a second exodus. And he was telling them, I'm going to take you out of captivity now. I will make a new Zion with you. I will provide a way back through the desert and I will re-establish you and bring a new salvation work and do a new thing within you. And yet, because they got to where they were by not trusting God and not believing God, they turned to God and they wouldn't believe him. And they wouldn't trust that he could take the death that they found themselves in and use it to bring new life. 
And so the second exodus was postponed. They stayed in captivity. And then ultimately Jesus came. And he died on a cross and became death to show us once and for all the new kingdom where you bring new things out of dead things, where death does not have the final say, where death does not mean it is the end of the road for you. And this year in your life in 2019, it's not a question of if the word of God for you is new things. It's not a question of does God want to do something new in your life. It's purely a question of will you allow him to? Will you allow him to lead you to freedom? Now, not once you've got your act together, not once you feel that your chances are good. It's often when all the wheels have fallen off our cart that we're actually humble enough to realise we can't do this without God. And he comes in our darkness and our coldness and our death and he says, don't you understand? I'm the king of dirt and grace and this is what I do. This is what I do. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.